I, I think it's best if we move on to um, uh, 2647, because <clears throat> we still have a lot of uh, material to go through. Begin with the arrest of Jesus, so we can we can uh, say we've done that. So this is 2647. While he was still speaking, that's Judas, I mean Jesus is speaking. Judas, uh, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords, clubs, sent for, uh, and clubs sent from the chief priests and elders of the people. Um, they're still arguing about this crowd. Um, one school of thought, this, I lean towards this, one school of thought is that they're, they're Roman soldiers that are part of this crowd because it says they have swords. And also John uses a technical military word to describe the detachment of soldiers. Uh, so my, my idea is that there are Jews and Roman soldiers because the Jews and the Romans are in this together. The other theory, which is held by people who are just, you know, who are way smarter than I'll ever be, are that these are temple guards and this is just a Jewish mob. So, you, you know, and you can decide as well as any scholar can, you know, based on the evidence, uh, what, you, what you think. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you why, you know, I think uh, they are as, as this develops. Now the betrayer, now notice at this point, they stopped, they, they won't use Jesus' name anymore. They always use a circumlocution for Judas. The idea is that we, this is a person that we so detest that we're not even, we're not even gonna say his name anymore. Um, in, in Judaism, uh, during, the, during certain periods, they wouldn't say Jesus' name because he was so hated. And they, I forget the Hebrew, but it, it was so-and-so. He was referred to as so-and-so because they wouldn't, wouldn't say his name. So that's the idea. So you, you use a circumlocution, a roundabout way of saying the person's name. So that's uh, Judas. He's the, he's the betrayer. He'd arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, uh, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And the word for kiss the, in, in, implies he tenderly, tenderly kisses him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Um, now, John tells us when they, they, they come up, it's a full moon in the first place, right? It's Passover. That means it's a full moon. But they have lanterns and torches, which is one indication that they're expecting to search for Jesus, right? They think he can be hiding. Well, when Jesus walks up to them and says, who are you? I mean, who are you looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am. Ego me, I am. Well, the Jews, well, the Romans, I mean, our military guys will hopefully back me up. When Jesus says, I am, the Roman soldiers think it's an ambush. And so in a military form, John says they fell back. Okay, that's military talk. The Jews hear I am and they fall down. So everybody's on the ground, right? <laughs> but that, that's for me another reason that I think that there are Romans involved here. And they, they think it's an ambush. They got, they're armed. It's scary. The full moon, you know, who knows what's going to happen to us, right? And then the guy you're looking for and says, here I am. And they think, oh, shoot, we've walked right into an ambush. You know, this is not good. So I think that's what's going on there. But Matthew, the selective minimalist, he cuts that out. Um, then, the, um, then the men set forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached uh, for his sword. Now, um, 
I think this is an indication that they're trying to keep Peter safe. Peter may still be alive when Matthew writes his book, and this is one indication. Only John tells us, tells us I think it was Peter. Uh, we don't want, if, if, if he is still alive, it's not a good thing to share the story that the leader of the church took a whack at a guy with his sword. That might not be a good idea. So one of Jesus' companions, yeah, I say it's not identified as Peter until John 18, and it's to protect Peter. Okay? Uh, just a little hint. So maybe Peter's still alive, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Peter dies around 65, 66 in the persecution in Rome with Paul. Um, with that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword that Jesus had told him to buy in Luke twenty-two thirty-five drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. So I, I've heard a different theory, but I don't accept this theory. I'll just tell you my theory. Um, P Peter wasn't aiming for his ear. Okay? In the details, when Luke tells us this, and I think Mark also tells us, it's his ear lobe he cuts off. His, the technical term is his little ear. So not his ear, it's his ear lobe. So Peter wasn't going like this, he was going like this, because that's he's going to cut his head off, that's, or at least cut his throat. And poor old Malchus turns his head at the last minute and just loses his ear, his ear lobe. That's the idea. There's a very complex argument now that Peter purposely did this to uh, make Malchus deformed so he could not serve as the high priest servant, because there's a story in Josephus about one of the contenders for the high priest biting a guy's ear off so he couldn't serve as a high priest. Because if you're mutilated, you can't serve as a high priest. I think it's a cool idea. I mean, you know, story of a guy biting another guy's ear off, that's cool. But uh, <laughs> I don't think that's why Peter did that. I don't think Peter is thinking, ooh, I want to render this guy mutilated so he can't be a high priest. I think he's just trying to kill him, right? I don't think Peter's thinking that clearly at this point. But it's a cool theory. I mean... So, but if you hear that, you, you can know, you know just as well as I do. You can figure it out just as well as I can. Uh, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put in my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Okay, a, le a legion is four to 6,000 people. That's 72,000 angels. You got 12 disciples. Well, guess what? I got 12 legions of angels, a lot, lot, of, lot of angels. Some of you are thinking, oh, a legion is 1,000 people. It will technically, it's four to 6,000. A century is supposed to be 100, but it's 60 to 80. I know that makes no sense, but that's, trust me, that's how it works. That's how it works. Um, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that must say it, it happens in this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? See, the fact that they're armed is really bothers him. Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching you and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted and left him. That's Isaiah 56. I'll strike the, sheep, the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And from this point on, the, the impression you get is even though he's being beaten, even though he's bloody, Jesus is still in control, right? He's still in control. He's confronting these guys with their hypocrisy. And we know why they didn't take him in the crowd, don't we? We've already heard the high priest talking about it. They're afraid of the people. They're afraid of a riot. So we're going to get this guy in the middle of the night. See, that's all designed uh, to, to, uh, to uh, keep them safe. 
So, okay, write this down. There, the, the trials of Jesus are it's very simple. It seems complicated sometimes, but it's very simple. There's a Jewish trial first, and there's a Roman trial second. Each trial has three sections. Very, very simple. And this is the first section of the Jewish trial. The first thing that happens is that Jesus is taken to Annas' house and held. He's held there while the Sanhedrin can be gathered. Who's Annas? Annas is the most powerful man in Jerusalem. He's the father-in-law of Caiaphas. He calls all the shots. Uh, the, 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 the marketplace in the temple was referred to as the Bazaar of Annas. So he is the most He's the behind-the-scenes most powerful guy. There's a theory that Jesus got crucified basically because he tore up the temple, and it, it cut into Annas' uh, wealth. Um, I don't think that's the whole reason, obviously, but maybe that's one reason. So that's the first step of the trial. The second trial, uh, and that's only in John 18, 13, if you write down. Okay? The second trial, part of the Jewish trial, is when Jesus is taken to Caiaphas' house, and that's here, 26, uh, 54, yeah. That's here in Matthew. And that's, that is a, you, they, they, by law they could not meet at night, but they do it anyway. They break all their laws to do this. Okay, and then the final part of the Jewish trial in 27.1 is an early morning meeting, and that's to come up with a, something they can charge him with. They can't charge him with blasphemy because the Romans couldn't care less about blasphemy. So they've got to come up with another charge to get him uh, crucified. That's the, that's the Jewish trial. Roman trial is simple. He's sent to Pilate. Pilate sends him to Herod. Herod sends him back to Pilate. That's the, the Roman trial. Okay? Really simple. Really simple. So here's, here's the first uh, sec segment. Um, those who are, and so he doesn't give us step one. Only John gives us step one. So this is step two. Um, And Jesus has already met Caiaphas. He met him back in chapter 21, so he's seen Caiaphas. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and elders had assembled, right? They assembled while he was being held at Annas' house, so they're all there now. The Supreme Court is there. But Peter followed him in a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see, uh, to see the outcome. Now John lets us know that John is also there. John is not a threat. He's 14 years old, 15 years old. He's not seen as a threat. He knows the girl, the slave at the gate of Caiaphas' house. The idea is that perhaps he might have sold fish to her. Uh, Zebedee uh, sold his fish apparently in Jerusalem. They found some inscription evidence that points to the fact there was a place called Zebedee's Fish Market. Um, but So John has local knowledge. He knows the name of the high priest's servant. He knows all kinds of local knowledge things that the other disciples, the other writers don't know. So John is already in the courtyard. You, you remember this from the Gospel of John? John's already in. No one, he is an, an acknowledged follower of Jesus because when Peter comes up, they say, are you another of his disciples? Okay? But Peter's a threat. Peter's in his 30s. But John talks to the slave girl at the door and, and gets Peter in. Okay, so the idea that Peter denies Jesus because he's cowering and hiding out, I don't think that's a good idea because the people say, are you another of his disciples? Because here's one right here. So it's not that simple. The denials of Peter aren't, aren't that simple. Okay, so John gives us more information there. Uh, 59, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. 
but they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. We know from, I think, Mark, they all disagree. You get all, it's, it's really hard when everyone's lying <laughs> to get your lies uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to line up. But this is, to, this is fascinating. Uh, finally, two came forward, because you've got to have two, right? And declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Do you remember when that happened? That's John. That's the first temple cleansing from John 2. That's three years ago. Jesus says, tear down this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. That's the charge that they can make stick. Jesus spoke against the temple. So you, you don't understand. The temple is what it's all about. That's, that's, that's our Washington, D.C. I mean, it's dearer to them than Washington, D.C., right? And when Stephen gets stoned years later, Stephen is stoned. One of the reasons is he follows the man who spoke against the temple. So this is a big charge. And of course, they're totally understand, misunderstanding, right? Because he was talking about his, his body. But they get two false witnesses to agree to something that's actually true that he said three years, uh, three years earlier. But the point is, you've got to understand what a serious charge that was. You spoke against the temple. It's like... If someone gets up and threatens the president or something, you know, you get in court and you say, this guy threatened, you know, uh, or some, you know, leader or something, that kind of a thing. So that's, that's how they can finally uh, get him. Then the high priest stood up and they stood up to pronounce the verdict. He's been sitting, now he stands up to pronounce the verdict. And said to Jesus, uh, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent because there's no point, is there? He'll talk to Pilate, but he didn't talk. There's really no point. I mean, he's going to say one more thing to close the deal here in a second. The high priest said to him, I charge you, <coughs> I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, yes, it is as you say. Jesus replied, but I say to all of you in the future, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One. He didn't say God because you can't say God, right? He says, at the hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. Of course, that's, he just cooked his own goose. Then the high priest tore his clothes. Upon hearing blasphemy, you tear your clothes as a sign of mourning. Um, and I've got all kinds of, uh, um, from the Mishnah, Sanhedrin uh, 7, verse 5, and then Acts 14, 14. Those are two, two verses that talk about that. Um, the high priest tore his clothes and said, he spoke in blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He's worthy of death. That's it. Okay, we're done. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. That's Isaiah 40, verse 6, and 42, 14. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? Now, this is fascinating. The, the, the Jews taunt Jesus in one way, and the Romans taunt Je in a uniquely Jewish way. The Romans taunt Jesus in a uniquely Roman way. This is a uniquely Jewish thing. The rabbis taught that when the Messiah comes, he won't judge on the basis of what he sees. He'll judge on the basis of what he smells. And so they blindfold Jesus, and they hit him, and then they say, okay, who, you know, we, we, we wouldn't say prophesy, but it's, it's say who hit you. When you're, when you're blindfolded. This is a uniquely Jewish way, but of course they, they've already condemned him. 
they're not really trying to find this information out. But this is a uniquely way to, to uh, unique way to, to, to mock Jesus. The Romans will play a board game with him called King. We'll look at that in a minute. Um, so they they spit in his face <coughs> and they strike him with their hands. Others slapped him and said, "Prophesy to us, Christ, um, who hit you?" I said, "This is a test of his power as a prophet or as the Messiah." Now, as Jesus is making his good confession, simultaneously, at the same time, Peter's denying him. So it's drum, very dramatic. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also, see, were with Jesus of Galilee, Matthew, the Gospel of Galilee, um, um, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't, know about, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to her people, said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know what you mean. Only Matthew gives us the detail. Um, the others mention, um, what? no, forget, forget what I said. I don't, I don't know this man. After a while, now uh, John, I think, tells us it's like an hour later. It's a, the, the gap between the second and the third denial is, is, a, is a pretty long gap. After a while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them, for you, your accent gives you away. This is only Matthew. The other Gospels will say his, his speech gave him away, but only Matthew lets you know it's his Galilean accent that gives him away. Galileans speak in a different way. There are certain uh, syllables they can't pronounce, and it makes them sound stupid. Uh, in, in Judea, Galileans were not allowed to read Scripture in the synagogue in Judea because of their accent. Isn't that interesting? Okay. So your accent get, gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. And when I, I think, certainly he's denying Jesus, but I think in part of his nervous breakdown or his fragmentation, when he says, I don't know him, he's just seen Jesus give up in his mind and let himself be bound and led away. You know, this is a guy who's been talking about thrones. He just told him to buy a sword, right? Who's, uh, who's now given up, allowed himself to be bound and taken away. And so he says, I don't know him. I'm not saying he doesn't, he's not denying him. He is, but I think there's more to, to, uh, to those words. <clears throat> and this is the point in Luke, put a cross reference to this Luke 22, 61. At this point, Apparently, they, they, they can see each other. At this point, Jesus looks across the courtyard and their eyes meet. Okay, And that's that word in blepo. He looks and Jesus is gazing at him. He's intently looking at him. Remember that unique word? Uh, Luke, uh, John uses it. No, no, no. John, yeah, John uses it the first time they see each other. And Luke uses it one of the last times in, in, this, you know, in, in this body or whatever. That they look each other. That they look at each other. Yeah, Luke twenty two sixty one, and you know what? I think only Luke can bring himself to tell that story because it's so, you know, it's so many years. It's it's such a painful story to tell. I think only only Luke could could uh, all those years later tell that story. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Okay, who who betrays J Jesus? Judas and Peter, right? They both betray him in their own way. Who survives? Peter survives. Why? Because he wept. He, he repented and he wept. What did Judas do? Judas tried to fix it. Right? Judas throws the money back and in vain he tries to fix it. 
He never repents as far as we know, right? He doesn't ask for forgiveness. He tries to fix it and he can't, and it destroys him. Peter, who in my opinion was, was being Jesus' best friend, this is a much worse betrayal, at least emotionally, Peter repents and weeps and actually refers to it a couple of times in Acts in his sermons that he'd betrayed Jesus, right? But Peter survives because he cries. See, he weeps. So I think that's a, that's a big lesson. Um, <clears throat> early in the morning, all the chief priests uh, and the elders of the people came to the decision. So here's part three, the early morning meeting. This is the kangaroo court that they're doing because they have to have a, 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 you know, a legal meeting. Um, and Peter preaches about this in Acts 3, by the way. Uh, the elders of the people came to the decision to put Jesus to death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Now, Pilate is a fascinating, uh, fascinating uh, person. We know a lot about Pilate. Um, the, the main thing you need to know about Pilate is that he, he was appointed governor of Judea through the patronage of a man named Sejanus. Elias Sejanus uh, was the man's name. Sejanus uh, was the, the captain of the Praetorian Guard in Rome, and he staged a coup. He was going to take over. Uh, Tiberius is the emperor right now, remember? And Tiberius is a person who is... Um, all I can say is Tiberius lives a life of pornographic indulgence. That's his life. And as Tiberius gets older, he gets more and more uh, detached from Rome. He's on the Isle of Capri where he's doing all, all kinds of unspeakable things that you can read about in Suetonius if you're interested. Um, uh, the, the, who's the craziest, the craziest emperor we ever had was Caligula, right? Guess where Caligula grew up? on the Isle of Capri with Tiberius. He grew up with child prostitution. I mean, I mean things I can't even tell you that, that went on. It's just so sick. That's where Tiberius is. So as Tiberius is, is, is backing out of his power, Sejanus is gaining power. There's supposed to be two uh, 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 consuls. Well, guess what? There's just one, and it's him, and he's going to take over. What happens? And, and Sejanus hates Jews. He hates Jewish people. He's all kinds of decrees that he passes under Tiberius' name against the Jews. What happens? <clears throat> they find out that Sejanus is planning a coup. Tiberius has him killed. He's executed. That happens around 30. So you want to have a, the date? 31. That happens in 31. Okay? So when Sejanus is killed... A decree goes out all over the Roman Empire. Hostilities against the Jews will cease. Okay, that 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 decree has just you know recently come to 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 Jerusalem and Pilate. Okay, now you're Pilate. You got your job from a guy who tried to stage a coup, right? And part of his coup was he hated Jewish people. Do you see what thin ice Pilate is on, right? And so what turns the whole thing around, when Pilate is investigating Jesus, you'll see in all the Gospels, Pilate wants to let him go. Again and again, he says, he's innocent. Why, you, know, uh, you know, why do you want me? You know, I'll flog him and then let him go, right? I mean, it's so, his Pilate's wife comes and says, I've had bad dreams about this guy. I have nothing to do with this innocent man. Again and again and again, Pilate wants to let him go. Mainly, he, he wants to save his own job 
and he's, he's, he's got a day of leisure ahead of him. They get, they get Jesus to, to Pilate early in the morning because he gets all his business done you know, before 8 o'clock because he spends the rest of his day in the baths. Okay, if you're a Roman aristocrat, you have an organized day of leisure. You go to feasts, you eat, you throw up, you eat some more, right? You get a rub down. It's an organized day of leisure. That's his life. And he's going to get that. He's got to get this done, right? He wants Jesus out of his hair. When does everything change for Pilate? It's when, and this is in the Gospel of John, it's when someone in the back of the crowd says, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. When he hears that, he turns around, he walks, and he, can, he says he's guilty, washes his hands of him, and leaves. That's what you need to know about Pilate. You know, he is a bad guy. And what happens eventually in 31, because he still has, he, he, he massacred a bunch of Samaritans, he's called back to Rome in 31 to be disciplined or, or uh, uh, fired. And along the way, Tiberius dies in 31, and Pilate disappears. We don't know what happened to Pilate. People think he committed suicide along the way. So that's Pilate. That's this guy. See, we know a lot about him. Uh, um, and that's all from Giza Vermesses, who's who in the age of Jesus. So early in the morning, all the chief priests and elders of the people came to the decision. Da, 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 host, sorry. Uh, verse 3. When Judas, who betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse, uh, doesn't repent. He feels bad about what happens. And returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned, he said. I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Or as Acts uh, says, he was strangled. Okay, so he commits suicide. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, It's against the law to put this into the treasury since it's blood money. This is old orthodoxy. You know, you, do, you, do you get this? We don't want to do the wrong thing, having just lied and you're going to con condemn an innocent man. And, but gee, you know, so, we, so what are we going to do? Let's buy a field with this money. And that field's still there. The Akeldama's still there. There's a church in the middle of it, in the, right up from the, uh, the Gehenna, the valley where they used to burn the trash. Okay, so that's where that is. Um, that's why, uh, wait, 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 wait. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field. Um, my, 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 uh, my note says, the money serves the poor, an ultimate act of hesed. I don't know, do with that what you want to. Um, so they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That's why it's been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet was fulfilled. They took 30 silver coins, the price set on him uh, by the people of Israel, and they used it to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. That's Jeremiah 32, 6 through 9. Um, meanwhile, Ju Ju Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, he wants this done. Don't think he really wants an answer. When, in John, when he says, what is truth? He turns around and walks away when he asks the question. He's, he doesn't care what truth is, right? That's not, I've heard sermons on the wist, this you know, wistful question Pilate asked, what is truth? He doesn't want to talk about what truth. He wants to go take a bath. He wants Jesus out of his hair. Okay? So are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say. Um, when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear how many things they're accusing you of? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement 
of the governor. He, you know, Pilate is a practical Roman. Speak up for yourself, and Jesus won't. Now, it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a, a prisoner chosen by the crowd. Now, you will hear liberal people say, this is one of the lies, or this is one of the inaccuracies of the Bible, because we can't find, there's not a record of this in any of the ancient records, that, that any Roman governor ever did this. And this is a big thing that Bart Ehrman and those kind of play, people used to say, the New Testament's full of errors. Well, just because we don't have it in their record doesn't mean it wasn't a custom of Pilate's. We didn't have Pilate's name until, you know, until the 20th century. We didn't, they dug up a, a, an inscription that had, they call it the Pilate inscription. We, didn't, we weren't even sure Pilate existed, see, until we found this proof of his existence. So don't let those kind of arguments uh, rattle, rattle you. Um, where was I? Thank you. Um, which one of these do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called uh, the Christ? Um, for he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to them. You get the idea that he's really just prodding them. You know, he puts the, the notice over Jesus' head, uh, that, you know, the king of the Jews, and they say, no, 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 take that down. Say he said he was the king of the Jews, and he goes, what I've written, I've written. You know, Pilate is an official. He's a red tape guy. You know, it's, I don't know. He's like, an, he's like a, a, a cop who's, who's bothered and angry and wants to go, you know, be off duty or something. He's, he's, he's got all this authority, but he does not care. He does not care about this. Um, so while Pilate was sitting on the bima, on the judgment seat, his wife, and only Matthew tells us this, his wife sent him this message, don't have anything to do with that innocent man because I've suffered a great deal today in a dream on account of him. And now there's a, a, I think the Greek, Greek Orthodox churches, they made her a saint for this. Okay. Um, but the chief priest, and we know we have Cusa, we have one of Pilate's officials. No, that's Herod's official. Sorry, forget that, forget that, forget that. But the chief priests and the elders uh, per, uh, persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. This is the crowd. This is the mob. This isn't the people that walked in shouting hallelujah. These are people that the high priest knows, the rabble, the rabble from Jerusalem. Uh, which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who's called Christ? They all answered, crucify him. And listen, why? What crime has he committed? See? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, uh, but that instead an uproar was starting, which he does not want, he's, he's preserving the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, he took water and washed his hands, which is actually a very Jewish thing to do, Right? He washed his hands in front of the crowd. I'm innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. Okay, so that's in a f fragments of the way Pilate deals with it. There's more in John. It's more involved in John. And all the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Yeah. The high priest, or the priests at one point say, we have no king but Caesar. You know, um, my note says, the, car the crowd is calling down curses upon themselves if he is innocent, then let his blood be on us and our children. In 70, the Romans ran out of wood for crosses. When they, when the, when they, take, when they take Jerusalem in 70, they crucify everybody. And uh, <clears throat> they run out of wood. And that's, I think, some of these people. Then they released Barabbas to them, who was guilty, who had been convicted of being part of the rebellion. 
So the innocent guy is arrested and crucified, and the guilty, guilty guy is released. Uh, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Now, this is a Roman flogging. This is not a Jewish flogging. So when you see the, the movies that have 39 stripes, that is not, Jesus did not receive 39 stripes. That's, a, that's what Paul says. When Paul was flogged in the synagogue, you're, you give 39 stripes. Why 39? Right, right. You're supposed to get 40, but the Jews are so righteous, they do 39 just in case they miscounted. Okay, so Paul receives, it's called synagogue discipline with rods, and Paul is very proud of this, right? This is part of his old, old orthodoxy, right? I, I was beaten in the synagogue. This, this shows how righteous he was. But the, the Romans flog Jesus with a, a, a whip that has glass and bone and lead in the leather stripes, in the, le, the leather straps. And they don't, count, they don't count the stripes, um, the, the only stipulation in the Julian Code for flogging is that a man will be flogged until the flesh hangs from his back. People were disemboweled by flogging. A lot of people didn't survive the flogging. Uh, Augustus had, had a woman flogged, and uh, she lost an eye from the flogging. So this is something that a lot of people don't even survive. And I, again, I won't take a bullet for this, I think Jesus might have been flogged twice. Here's why I think that. I think Pilate has him flogged once in John to satisfy the people. When they see Jesus all bloody, he's hoping that they'll be satisfied and they'll let him go. But in, you always flog someone before you put them on the cross. That was just part of crucifixion because you die quicker. Blood loss, that sort of thing, you die quicker. So I think there's at least a chance that Jesus received two floggings, the flogging to satisfy the people, and then he gets handed over to be crucified, and I think they might have flogged him again. Uh, again, there's a question mark. How could people even survive two floggings? A lot of people didn't survive one flogging. But I think there's a chance that uh, he might have been flogged twice. Uh, but not 39 stripes. Forget, a, forget that. That's, that's uh, Judaism. That's not Roman, Roman law. Um, then the governor's uh, soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium. The, that's where the praetor, the Roman praetor stays, the praetorium. Uh, and this is Herod's old palace. Okay, this is where Herod used to have his palace. And he gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him uh, to be nude in Judaism, to be naked is a huge humiliation. They stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him. Uh, they wove a crown of thorns and they set it on his head. This is the unique Roman mocking. Uh, we, there are 70 different board games. The Romans love board games. There are 70 different board games that we know of from this period of time. And one of the board games was called King. And uh, it's kind of like checkers. Uh, you know when you, you move your checkers all the way, you move your man all the way across the board, and what do you say? King, King me, right, same idea. Uh, so what you do, you roll the dice, or you roll the, they use pig knuckle bones, they roll knuckle bones. And I remember when I showed you the, the pavement, the, the boards that were scratched into the pavement, some of those boards were to play King on. The, the soldiers played them when they're uh, like off duty, okay? So the idea is they're playing this game with Jesus. And part of the way you play the game is you roll the dice, and as you move your man around the board, first you robe him, then you, you, know, you give him a staff. It's, it's all the things they're doing to Jesus. And then when you get to the very end, you say, crown me. And everyone says, king. Okay? So the idea, and again, I won't take a bullet for this, but it looks like this may be what's going on. They're playing a game with him. They, they put a robe on him one of their red robes. They had scarlet robes to show how brave they were because they didn't show blood. Okay? So put the scarlet robe on him. 
and they put the, 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 the crown on him. And even a vegetative crown, that's Roman, right? Uh, Romans put laurel crowns, or in Corinth, they put celery crowns or uh, ivy crowns, right? A vegetative crown is a very Roman thing. So it, but this isn't laurels with leaves. This, these are thorns, right, that uh, they, they hit, uh, they force down on his head. So this is a uniquely Roman thing they're doing. <clears throat> so they put a staff in his right hand, and they kneel in front of him, and they say, Hail, King of the Jews. Um, that they spit on him, so he's got Jewish spit and now Roman spit on him. They took, they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And this is after he's got the crown of thorns on his head. After that, they mocked him. They took off the robe, put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to be crucified. So the Jews mock him in one way and the Romans mock him in another way. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon. Um, this, this man is mentioned in Romans 16, 13. Um, uh, he's the father of Alexander and Rufus. Isn't that cool? Uh, so his sons apparently are part of the Roman church. Um, so they meet this man from Cyrene uh, named Simon. There was a, 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 a synagogue of just, just for people from Cyrene and Jerusalem. So uh, he's going there. And they forced him to carry the cross. What's that? That's Roman impressment. By law, if a soldier says, carry this, you've got to carry it one mile. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Carry two miles. So that, that's, this is all connected. They came to the place called Golgotha. Golgoloth is the Hebrew word for skull. Calvaria is the Latin word for skull. That's where Calvary comes from, uh, which means the place of the skull. There they offered him um, wine to drink mixed with gall. I told you about this already, didn't I? In the other Gospels, he's offered wine with myrrh, which is a narcotic. Gall is poison. So this, Matthew, who is interested in the fact that from the very beginning they wanted to kill him, beginning with the slaughter of the innocents that only Matthew tells us about. I think Matthew tells us at the end, Satan, Satan, Satan does not want him going to that cross, right? So from the, at the very end, they try to give him poison. They try to poison him, uh, mixed, uh, wine mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. He spits, spits that out. Now, he will ask for wine when he's hanging on the cross. That's the last sign, but this is not the same thing. Um, when they had crucified him, that's all you get. And none of the Gospels describe the crucifixion. There is no mention of nailing his hands, putting nails in his feet. That is not in any of the Gospels. Okay? All the Gospels say is, and there they crucified him. That's it. He shows them his hands afterwards. Right? So clearly he was nailed, his hands and feet and his side. Well, we know from John that he was pierced in the side. But um, the, the nailing to the cross is, is not spelled out in the Gospels. That's from Psalms. They've pierced my hands and my feet. There's a more accurate description of the crucifixion in the Psalms than in the New Testament, which I think is, uh, that's not like Psalm 22, isn't it? Psalm 69, Psalm 22 are the crucifixion Psalms. When they crucified him, they divided, they divided up the, the clothes by casting lot. And I forget how many lots. Do you remember one of the other gospels says three lots or four lots? Four maybe. Anyway, that tells you how many soldiers were crucifying. One for each one of them. They get the, the stuff from the dead person, right? So they divide it up into lots. Uh, I think it's Mark that says they're divided into three or four lots. Um, 
After, and, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, was pla- they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews, and all the Gospels have this differently. They all have this It's stated slightly differently. The only thing they all have in common is the phrase King of the Jews. They all have that. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him. This is Psalm 109. Shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple... See how they're still talking about that? Um, that's John 2. Uh, and Stephen, Acts 6, 6.14 is where Stephen gets accused of this. <clears throat> you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the son of God. So they're mocking him. In the same way the chief priests and teachers of the law and el- the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Uh, He's the, king of, uh, he's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. In Mark, they say, come down from the cross so that we may see and believe, which is backwards, right? You don't see and believe. You have to believe in order to see. Uh, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaps insults. So he is absolutely alone. Even the people who are being crucified with him are mocking him. So you've got to you've got to process that. Um, <coughs> from the sixth hour, that's that's noon, until the ninth hour, that's three. Uh, darkness came uh, over all the land, and this is not a storm. I had always thought about storms just from all the Jesus movies, um, but there's no word of a storm. Uh, I think it's the darkness from Exodus, from the plague, which is silent. Uh, it's described in Exodus as a darkness that can be felt. It's a darkness that kind of enters into you. So it's not the big storm that uh, is pictured in the, in the Jesus movies. Uh, so it's darkness. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, and people who are hanging on crosses don't shout in loud voices. And you'll notice as well, all of the, all the statements, I'm going, am I going too fast? <laughs> all the statements from the cross are short gasping phrases, right? Uh, because what does he have to do to say something? He has to push up on the nail in his feet or in his ankles to get a breath. And he speaks as long as he can take the pain. And then he collapses back down on the nails that are holding his hands or his wrists. So they're all short gasping phrases. It's almost this dance that he does. There's a, one person has said when he quotes, Why have you forsaken me from Psalm 22, that he actually quoted the whole psalm. He's not quoting a whole psalm in his condition, right? Um, so, so there's that. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, why, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's Psalm 22. Um, and uh, Stanley Harawas says at this point, it's no longer Father, it's just my God, because he's experiencing this separation. Uh, when some of those standing there heard this, they said he's calling Elijah. They thought Eli, you know, they, they misheard. They didn't hear him because he's gasping. Immediately, one of them ran and, uh, and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar. What's wine vinegar? It's wine that's, that's sour. It's wine that's gone bad. And the, ro- the soldiers drank this. When they were on duty, they drank this, okay? Um, and in John 19.28, he asked for this. In John, this is after he suffered it says, John says, and seeing that, that everything had been fulfilled, he, at, he said, I'm thirsty. 
So there's, there's only one more prophecy that's left to be fulfilled, and that's they gave me vinegar to drink. And Jesus deliberately, it seems like he deliberately asks for this drink, and then he gives up his spirit. He dismisses his spirit. Nobody kills him, right? The Jews didn't kill, Roman, uh, Jews didn't kill Jesus. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. Jesus let go of his life. I mean, if anybody killed Jesus, it's you and me. We killed Jesus. So we don't have to, we, we don't have to argue about that anymore. So he takes this drink. The fact that it's on a stick indicates that it was a high cross. Not all crosses were that high. Some of them were right next to the ground. But he was in a high cross. Uh, <clears throat> but the rest said, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And John lets us know what he says is it's finished. That's 1930. Um, at that moment, uh, and only Matthew gives us this detail, I think. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, if there's any sign of the old orthodoxy, why does Matthew think this is cool? This is the end of the old orthodoxy. And we don't know which, te- which curtain it was. There are two, it, there's two possible choices. There's a curtain that's uh, in front of the holy place, which everybody would see. So maybe it's that curtain. Or there's a curtain in front of the holy of holies, which only the priests would see, right? The point is, this curtain is this thick. It's a hand breadth thick, right? This isn't like your curtains at home. This is a massive curtain. And it's torn from the top to the bottom. So this is uh, an incredible image. And there is actually, I've got it in my Matthew book, there was a, there was a reference in the, in the, in the uh, Mishnah to an earthquake that caused this curtain to be ripped. Now, it doesn't say it was, had anything to do with Jesus, but isn't it interesting that there's a little, little echo, a little, a little leftover. Um, let's see if I got it in my notes here. Um, yeah. Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakkai, 40 years before the destruction of Jerusalem, he says this, the doors of the temple opened on their own. That's in, uh, in the Babylonian Talbot, Yoma 39b. Um, I said that the, the rabbis asked for a sign, they got one. Here's your sign. So the door's open by itself. I'm sorry, the temp, it wasn't that the, the, the curtain was ripped. I was improvising there when I shouldn't have been. But that's Johanna ben Zakkai, the Galilean who reforms Judaism. He, he mentions the fact that there's an earthquake and the doors open all by themselves. So maybe that was connected to this. Uh, the earth shook and the rocks split. Only Matthew tells us about that. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Only Matthew talks about this. Then they came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. You want a sign? How's that for a sign? Yeah. When the centurion, he singled out, when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the son of God. And in his world, there's only one person who's the son of God, and that's Tiberius. And he can be executed for even saying this. So this is a big thing. For a Roman centurion to say this is a big thing. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee. See, Galilee keeps coming up. To care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene. Uh, She was the one in Luke uh, 8 who had seven demons. She's not a sinful woman. She's just a person who'd been demonically possessed in 8-2, Luke 8-2. Mary, the mother of uh, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. 
See, that's Salome. John's mother is there with them. Okay? As evening approach, we, we got to stop, don't we? 11.45. Okay, I'm, five minutes. Let's do 28. Let me jump to 28. So we, okay, you know, you, you know about the resurrection. I mean, it's just the resurrection. You know, you know about that, right? <laughs> Uh, but okay, so basically, what happens? Uh, Joseph Arimathea, who'd been secretly committed to Jesus all along, becomes a bold person. He comes to Pilate boldly and asks for the body of Jesus. Okay, he's been hiding out. Now he comes boldly, and we find out from John that Nicodemus comes too. So two very wealthy, very high-placed men come and bury him, and they they use Joseph's tomb that's never been used, and that implies that it's fit for a king. Okay, Jesus rides on a donkey that no one has ever ridden on. That means it's fit for a king. No one can ever use it if a king's going to use it, right? Same thing with the tomb. And it's like the tomb I showed you, a wealthy man's rock-cut tomb, uh, like the one uh, that, that I showed you. on. Uh. But he goes to Pilate to ask for Jesus' body. So he's, he's definitely out of the closet at that point. Um, and th- there's this massive stone I showed, I showed you. Nicodemus brings 100 pounds of spices You're going to wrap the body up in spices just to help with the smell because it's going to be in the tomb for a year while it rots, and then you're going to wash the bones a year later. Okay, that's stage two, two two-stage Jewish burial. Jesus definitely doesn't need stage two, and he doesn't really need stage one. So so that all happens with Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, uh, who only John talks about. And um, Mary Magdalene, and the, the Marys are there as the witnesses. The, the disciples have forfeited that right. So the witnesses are Mar- the Marys. They see him die, they see him buried, and they're going to see him, you know, they're, they're going to be the first ones to see him when he's raised from the dead. Okay? The women are the witnesses. Um, so there that is. Uh, only Matthew gives us this whole business about the guard and sealing the tomb to making sure, uh, making sure um, his disciples don't fake his death. So isn't it interesting that, that Pilate has really made sure that this isn't a lie. See what I'm saying? Pilate's on our side. The people, they wanted to make sure that we couldn't fake the resurrection. The, the, that guy. You see what I'm saying? I mean, isn't that amazing? So it wasn't a fake. I don't, you know, if people say, liberals say, oh, it's just a fake. Oh, he just swooned. You know, all those stupid theories about, you know, Jesus didn't really die or whatever. Uh, no, they, the Jews and the Romans were making sure that couldn't happen. Okay? So here, resurrection, Let's very quickly. I hate to do this quickly, but you understand, don't you? After the Sabbath, at, at dawn, on the first day of the week, which is why do we go to church on Sunday um, and not the Sabbath? Saturday is still the Sabbath, by the way. God didn't change that law. The Adventists are right. Uh, but Sunday's the Lord's Day, so... Sabbath, we have, we have a day to rest, Saturday, and we have the Lord's Day, Sunday. We got the best of both, right? Okay. Uh, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. They're going to, to look, for a, look at a dead body. They're not going to see if he's raised from the dead. No one was looking for that. There was a violent earthquake. So that's a second earthquake. Uh, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. That's just a circle. That's a roundabout way of saying they fainted. And to make a Roman soldier faint is a pretty good. That's a pretty good. Uh, pretty good thing. 
This is a guy who routinely kills, kills people with his bare hands. So this is a big deal. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciple, he's risen from the dead. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. Now in John, we have Peter and John. They run to the tomb and they see the details of the the clothes laying in their folds and the sweat cloth around his head is wrapped up and laid separately. So, you know, we sort of have to harmonize all these accounts. So the women hurried off away from the tomb, afraid. This is where Mark ends. The Gospel of Mark ends with the women running away from the tomb, afraid. So that's where Mark ends, right there. Boom. Uh, Yet filled with joy. Mark doesn't say that. And ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings. And this has to be shalom, right? Shalom. That's like hi. (laughs) Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So there's this second repetition of go, tell my brothers to go home. I'm going to be back home waiting for them. See, Galilee. It's all about Galilee. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders, they devised a plan. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money. Because if, if you fall asleep on, on duty, that's, that's a capital offense. You, you die for that. Okay. Um, They gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. The the soldiers go, "Uh uh-uh, we're not saying that. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Okay. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Um, Then we have the Great Commission. Uh, This is quick. I can do this quickly. Uh, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't that amazing? In in John 21, after the second miraculous catch of fish, they pull up, they're they're standing this close to Jesus, and and some of them, they're afraid to ask if it's Jesus, because they're not sure it's him. There's something after the resurrection. He wasn't immediately recognizable for some reason. Uh, And so there are people that are still doubting. The persistence of doubt is a big theme after the resurrection. People still doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Hear the last words from his lips. And surely... I will be with you always. Emmanuel, God with us. I'll be with you always to the very end of the age.